Yeah, praise the Lord. Well, Rocky must have been having a cough. He's got like 20 cough drops up here. <laughs> I'm just going to give you a, uh, just a quick brief introduction of me, and it's going to be quick and it's going to be brief because it's not about me and it's all about him. Amen. Amen. Just going to let you guys know that uh, uh, my journey to be a preacher wasn't one ordinary. I don't think none of us are, but I had been in a backslidden state for a while, and I started going to church, and I was raised in church. We went uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Wednesday night. Sometimes mom dragged me to women's meeting, and so pretty much any time the doors was open, we was there, but uh, I had backslid and got away from the Lord, and we started going to church, me and my wife, and started going pretty heavy, and I'll never forget what my wife said. Uh, I started going to church, and she didn't understand what was going on, but God was turning me around, and she looked me dead in the eye, and she said, I can't do this anymore. And I said, what's that? She said, I can't be married to no preacher. I said, well, you don't have to worry about that because I ain't going to be no preacher. Amen. About a year later, I felt the call to ministry, went ahead and done the classes that I felt like the Lord wanted me to do. And uh, we've been preaching ever since. We've done nine years of children's church. Uh, after nine years of children's church, God graduate me into an evangelist position but so far we've just been filling in a bunch of churches that don't have pastors and we need to pray for that because the more pastors that are leaving and retiring there's nobody coming up in the ranks so there is a is a definitely need for pastors uh, my wife now teaches a WRE program which is weekly religious education in the schools so pretty proud of her for that God's really turned things around for us and just an honor and a privilege to be able to serve God and to be able to be with you guys uh, this morning. I do believe that the Lord's got a word for this specific church, for this specific time, for this specific place. So I thank him so much for that. The title of the sermon that the Lord has given me for you guys is The Seventh Dip. And that may seem like a little strange title, but I guarantee you by the end of the service, you'll understand what the seventh dip means. And uh, we're going to go ahead and make sure we can read what the seventh dip means. <laughs> so we're going to start off in Second, second Kings uh, chapter 5. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but we're going to read some of it here. But before we get started, I just want to go to the Lord in prayer, dear Lord in heaven. Lord, we just thank you for this awesome opportunity, Father God, to stand behind your pulpit, Lord. Lord, it's a sacred place to be where we're at right now, Lord, to be able to preach and to teach your word. Lord, it's something that I do not take for granted, Father God. Lord, so I pray right now, Lord, that you begin to anoint me, anoint my tongue, Father God. Anoint me with the Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, that I'll be able to speak to your church, Father God. Lord, that I'll be able to speak so plain that a child would be able to understand, Father God. And Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, Lord, that, that you just have a mighty move in this house this morning, Lord, because I know that there are people in here that need to hear from your word today. Lord, it's a desperate time for them. Lord, they're in a place where they don't understand, a place of silence, oh, Father God. But, Lord, you're going to break through that silence this morning, oh, Lord, and you're going to give them a word that comes straight through the throne room of God. Lord, so I pray that I add nothing to this holy word or take nothing away from this holy word, but preach it in a manner that's worthy of a righteous and holy God. And the whole church says, Amen and Amen. 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies, and they had brought away captives out of the land of Israel, a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samarai, for he would recover him 
from this leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of remnant. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is coming to thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou may recoverest him of this leprosy. So let's just stop right there just for a minute, and I want to focus on valor. The definition of valor is a great courage in the face of danger, especially in battle. This man Naaman, he was a good man. He was a man of valor. He was a, a mighty man, a mighty warrior. But more than that, he was a good man in his home life. He was a good father. He was a good dad. He was good to his servants. And you may say, Shane, well, how do you know that? And I love this story in the Bible. I love that God chose this story to be in his Bible. It's, it, there's so many things going on that we can pull from this particular story. But the one thing you may say, well, Shane, how do we know that Naaman was a great man? Well, first of all, by this servant girl. A lot of times when you conquer the land, you got, got the plunder, but you got some of the people as servants. And Naaman wasn't mean to this little servant girl. And I love the fact there's, I've done a sermon one time on no names in the Bible. And this girl right here, she was important even though God didn't mention her name in the Bible. Amen? Sometimes our names don't need to be in it. Our character needs to be in it. What we've done for the Lord needs to show, not necessarily our names. Amen? So she cared for Naaman. She cared for him so much, she went in to Naaman's wife and she said, no, I hate to seem like this. I hate to seem a leper, this awful disease, this man of valor, this good man. I hate to seem like this, but... If only he could go to Israel. There's a prophet in Israel that can hear him. How convincing is our testimonies? How convincing is our testimonies? She was so convincing. Now listen, they had their own gods. They had their own deities. But you know what? Their own gods and their own deities couldn't heal Naaman. But she knew that her God could. As a matter of fact, she was so convincing. Not only did she convince Naaman's wife... Not only did she convince Naaman, but she, it was also through her testimony it convinced the king of Syria to send a letter to take him to Israel. That says a lot about this little girl's testimony, amen? How convincing are our testimonies? Listen, people pay attention to what we say, what we do, how we act, but sometimes as Christians, if we're doing the best we can, we don't understand certain things that are going on. The Bible talks about giving a word in due season. Now, I'm not talking about us getting crazy, amen? I'm not talking about every time we see somebody, oh, Lord, we got a word from you. Here's the word. Today is Thursday, but praise God, tomorrow's Friday. Hallelujah, amen? I'm not talking about crazy. I'm talking about a word from the living God. Sometimes you can speak a word to somebody in due season, and that word will be so precious to them. I just lost my mom about two weeks ago, but somebody come up during the front funeral and they give me a testimony about mom. They said they was at a church one time and they seen how people flooded the altars and they seen how they cried out to the Lord and, and they came back, but the, the cry was happy and joy. And she seen how they was uplifted and how God had spoke to them, but she was in her seat and she says, God, why can't I feel that? God, will you tell me that you love me? God, why can't I have what they have? God, do you not love me? Will you not speak to me? But she didn't want to go up to the altar because she hadn't heard from God. 
Mom getting ready to leave the church. She comes up to this lady. And she said, I got a message from the Lord that Jesus said he loves you. You see, that's a word in due season. She didn't need to give a prophecy for 30 minutes or 45 minutes. She had a word from God with just those words that penetrated that woman's heart. Amen. And she melted. And right there, she felt the love of God that she needed. How convincing are our customers to have a word in due season. But let's read on just a little bit here. And we're going to talk about people that should already have a testimony that don't. And it came to pass when the king of Israel read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive? That this man do ascend unto me to recover a man of leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray ye, and see how seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elijah, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to him the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in all Israel. The king of Israel, the one who knew about God, amen? The one who knew that God could heal. The one that knew that how God could save. The very country that he had sent him to didn't have faith enough to believe that God could do what he wanted to do. Amen? These people who didn't know about God. These people who hadn't heard about God. From this little girl's testimony said, send them to this land where God can heal them. And you send them to the land and there is the king who's saying, what did he send them for me for? We can't heal them. How about when you come to a church hurting? When you come to the church seeking, when you come to the church lost, and when you get to the church, the very church you come to is just as lost as the world is, amen? They've lost sight of the God that can, amen? The God that can heal, the God that can save. Who am I? Who are we to be able to help you? We can't, the world couldn't help you. What are you coming for? here for? We can't help you either. That's more or less what this king was saying. But praise God, amen. God said in his word, no matter how bad this world gets, amen, how many people know that America's bad? How many people know that this is no longer one nation under God? They can say that all they want to. No longer is this one nation under God. But praise God for that remnant. Praise God for Elijah. He says, you know what, king? What you tearing your clothes for? You don't need to be upset. Send him to me and he will know that there is still a prophet of God in the land of Israel. Amen? Where are those prophets now? Where are those preachers? Where are those teachers to make the stand when all hope is gone, when all hope is lost? You know what? Elijah didn't even check up on this thing because he knew that this whole scenario was being orchestrated by God. Amen? And you want to know how he knew that? Because he was close to God. Because he trusted in God. Because he prayed to God. Because he didn't falter. Because when his master went to leave this world, he said, give me the double portion. He said, you ask of a hard thing of me. But he was just enough to be able to see. He says, I will not take my eyes off of you no matter what. When this fiery chariot come down and a tornado and everything, his eyes was focused on Elijah. Just like Jesus said, my, I am putting myself focused like Flint. I'm focused on Jerusalem for the thing that God has called me to do. Amen. He said, send him to me. Send him to the man of God. He'll, he'll know that there's a God still left in Israel. King, don't rip your clothes. Don't be torn up about that. I love that one time in children's church. 
And, and sometimes it's good. I, I don't know if y'all got a teacher of children's church or not, or of children or whatever, but sometimes it's good to talk over things with your pastor when you want to do something in children's church. I had this grand idea. I said, you know what, I'm going to get these kids because I love the kids and I like messing with the kids a little bit. My IQ is kid level. That's how we've done so good in, with children's church. But I decided, I said, you know what, I'm going to get these kids to focus on me just like Elijah was supposed to focus on Elijah. And I said, we're going to do a test. And if any of you guys take your eyes off of me for any moment, then you're not going to get that double portion. You're not going to get this double prize at the end of class. And I had the bright idea for my wife to load like five or six firecrackers and put them in a pot in behind the church. Listen, nowadays... That's good to let your pastor know because when you hear a bunch of booming and banging going on, it can make people a little nervous. But I tell you, all the kids took their eyes off of me, and they looked back. In hindsight, I'll never do it again because some of them were scared, some of them cried, some of them laughed, so it wasn't a good thing. But, you know, to not take your eyes off the Lord. Elijah never took his eyes off the Lord, and he says, you know what, send him to me. Send him to that man of God. So here we need to be convinced as a church that God can do what he says he can do. Amen. When somebody sends somebody to us or somebody comes in, we need to give them God, not the world. You see, he said, I can't do nothing. You know what, King? You can't do nothing. You can't do nothing. You're a man. You need to focus on what God can do for you. Amen. There's nothing that I can do for any of you guys this morning. I can preach this word, but it's God. Amen. It's God using a servant that's going to minister to y'all this morning. So here we're going to have to talk about a little bit. Naaman, he was a man of valor. But he was also a prideful man. And this pride had to be dealt with. And it said, verse 9, So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elijah. And Elijah sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times. And thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and he went away and said, Behold, I thought... He would surely come out to meet me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abinah and Papyrus rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. And his servant came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee something great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith, wash and be clean. So here comes Naaman. He comes with all his horses and his camels and all his silver and all this stuff. And he comes to the man of God. He comes with all that stuff. And right along with it comes his pride. Amen. Do you know the Bible said that God hates pride? He hates it. The Bible actually says hate. Hate's a strong word. Pride's what got the Satan in trouble. And even though this was a great man, he was a prideful man. And that pride had to be dealt with. So he comes up to the man of God and he tells him, go wash in the, go wash in the river seven times. You know, it's so funny. Elijah didn't even go down to meet him. He sent a servant. You see, that messed with his pride. But you know what? That also says a lot about Elijah. What that says is about Elijah is, you don't have to worry about my name. Amen. The Bible says that God said, I will share my glory with no one. Amen. And Elijah knew that. I don't have to go down. It's not in me. Yes, I'm the prophet of God, but I'm going to send my servant down. And that made him so mad. He's like, you know what? Forget it. He ain't even going to come out to meet me. Why well, ain't got time for him? Well, you know what? He's the one that needs to heal, not Elijah. Besides that, his servant knew his master. He said, look, if Elijah would have told you to go out here and conquer a small army of 300 men, he said, you would have done that. And then you would have come back 
And you would have expected that healing because your pride was fed, amen? Because it was something that you did to earn this healing, amen? There's nothing that we can do to earn God's grace or God's love, amen? It's freely given to us. But if we get to a point when we think what we're doing is doing God a favor, and what we're doing is, is the reason why we're getting healed and we're getting blessed, it's, it's, it's God, amen? So he had to deal with that pride. And he said, he was getting ready to leave his service, said, no. He said, well, what about our rivers? The Jordan wasn't the cleanest river, amen? He said, what about the... He could have just sent word and I could have dipped in, the, in, in the, any other river. Any other river. Can I tell you, there ain't but one river, amen? There ain't but one God and there ain't but one Jesus. And there's only one way to the cross and that is that fountain that flowed for us, amen? That fountain that never runs dry. He could have dipped in, hallelujah, he could have dipped in any river he wanted to dip in, but he wasn't going to get clean and he wasn't going to get healed. You see, that's the problem we got now. Everybody else dipping in all these other rivers, but they're not coming to the fountain, amen? The ever-flowing fountain, amen? They're not coming to Jesus. They think, oh, this river's good. This river's good. Well, you can dip all you want in them other rivers. They ain't going to do you no good. They may seem cleaner, amen, but they're not clean. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he wanted to dip in this other river. I love the, the old song that said, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. They need to go to that ever-flowing fountain. They needed to go to that river that would set them free. That river that would make you clean. That's in the Bible on purpose. There ain't but one river. There ain't but one way to get to God. And that's through the blood of Christ. So he says, what about these other rivers? And he said, no, these other rivers, they ain't going to do. So then we read a little further. And they went down. And his servant came to him and near and spoke unto him and saith, If I bid thee some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God and all his company and came and stood before him and he said behold now I know that there is no God in all the earth but Israel now therefore I pray thee take a blessing from thy servant we need to hang on to this next part right here but he said as the Lord liveth before whom I stand I will receive none and he urged him to take it but he refused and Naaman says shall there not then I pray thee be given to thy servant two mules of burden for thy servant henceforth Neither burnt offerings nor sacrifice or other to God, but unto the Lord. And this thing the Lord pardoned the servant that when his master goeth in. And what he was saying was, from now on, I want to serve your God. From now on, your God's going to be my God. But my duty and my work, when, when my master, when the king goes in to serve this other God, will you please forgive me? I'm going to go in there with him. And he, and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he begins to worship this other God. I still got to go in there with him, Elijah, but I'm not going to worship him. I'm not going to worship him no more. And he said, will you forgive me? Can, I, can you have forgiveness on that? And Elijah just told him, he said, go in peace. And then when he didn't want to take nothing, he asked him, he said, you know what? 
can I take two mule loads of dirt back with me from this place? Now, how strange is that? I mean, where are you going to go just grab some dirt? Now, my wife, she likes to get rocks from different places. I don't understand that either, but she decks racing. But he said, I want to take two things of dirt with me. And he's like, okay, if you want to take the dirt, take the dirt. Well, how important is the dirt? I mean, what's, what's the purpose of the dirt? And the only thing that I can figure about this dirt is that when there was a burning bush and it caught Moses' attention, and he went to go to that bush. The Lord said, take off thy shoes, Moses, for you are standing on holy ground. He wanted a representation of this holy ground that he had been stepping on. Amen. This place where a man of God, the prophet of the true God, stood. So he wanted some type of remembrance of this. And to take it home. And can you imagine just going through there and you got like a little vase. You got all these good gold dishes and all this perfect uh, tainings, Thomas Kincaid and all this other stuff up there. And then you got a jar of dirt. And everybody's like, well, what is that jar of dirt for? Amen. Can I tell you what that jar of dirt for? That jar of dirt's for an opportunity to give God praise. It was for a, a, a what's the thing when he said on a, a conversation piece? Amen. It was a conversation piece to open up the door and say, well, let me tell you about that jar of dirt. See, I went to a certain place, and that's where God healed me. And then they go in the bathroom, and there's another jar of dirt. And then they go in your bedroom, and there's another jar. You see, he got two mule loads. So he had enough dirt to go around, and wherever he went, he had that jar of dirt as a representation of what God had done for him. Amen? How about the things that we have in our mind, the things that remind us of what God has done for us? You know what? We need to pull them out every now and then and look at them. Amen? How about counting our blessings and to see when everything is so wrong and everything's so distraught, we begin to count our blessings and see how God had blessed us, amen, with a jar of dirt. Amen? Hallelujah for the jar of dirt. So he had that everywhere because he wanted to remind people of what God had done for him. And then here comes Gehazi. Here comes his servant. Well, his servant was, was mad at Elijah. He said, you know what? This guy had a lot of money, had a lot of clothes. He had some good stuff. Why ain't we taking that? Elijah said, we ain't taking it. So he had this bright scheme. He said, I'm going to run up to him. And I'm going to tell him a few lies, and I'm going to get me some silver. I'm going to get me a couple of change of clothes because these clothes get a little ratty. They get a little stinky. Uh, so I want, I, want some, I want a gift. So he goes to this man. He says, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, my master needs somebody else come to visit us, and we need some silver. We need some. He says, sure, take it, take it. So Gehazi, Gehazi takes it, and he hides it. But then the, the man of God begins to ask him and says, what have you done? He said, I ain't done nothing. And I love the part in the Bible. Verse 26. And he said unto him, Went not my heart with thee when the man turned again from his chariot and met thee? Was not my spirit with me, with you? I was right there. I understand. God showed me exactly what you've done. Amen. How you like to come into a church where somebody can read your mail? <laughs> when you've done something and you're acting like you ain't done nothing, then God reveals it. Can I tell you what, though? God's a gentle God. He's a loving God. He's not going to embarrass you. Amen? He's not going to pull you out and embarrass you in front of the whole church. God's not like that. God, Jesus is a gentleman. Amen? Can we say amen to that? Jesus isn't a gentleman. Now, he'll address the things in your life that need addressed. And when you, when you try to hide things, you're going to get in trouble. Amen? You, you need correct it when you've done wrong. I've been corrected several times, even as a pastor sometimes I, I get corrected and the Lord tells me that. But he says, was not my spirit with you? And he said, it is the, not the time to receive money, to receive garments and oil, 
and vineyards and sheep and oxen and manservants and maidservants. He said, listen, now's not the time. You see, what he's trying to tell him is, if I would have took that money that he offered me, then you would have had every rich person from around the whole region thinking that they're going to buy God. Amen? Can I tell you something that I love about God? He cannot be bought. Amen? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he owns the hills that the cattle are on. Amen? You're not going to buy God. I love that. Now, some politicians, some preachers, some, I mean, money is the root of all evil. Money can persuade people. You don't think it will, it can persuade you. Amen? Amen. It's, Paul said, I've been rich and I've been poor. I like rich, but I can be poor. Amen? So he said, if you do that, then everybody's going to think that this, this healing is going to come with money. And then where's the poor? Where's the other people that really need it? Where's the people that are hurting? They're going to think, God ain't like that. And you had no business doing that. So the leprosy that was on Naaman, that very moment went on his servant because he was disobedient to God. Because he was disobedient to God. Can you imagine Naaman on his way home? And when he comes down that road, when he comes in the house, there's his wife and there's his household. And he walks in whole. He walks in clean. He walks in healed. And they begin praising God. And they begin just giving glory to God of this miraculous thing. And there's that servant girl. Amen. The thing that started it all. Amen. Don't think that the servant girl. The servant girl is most important other than God in this whole story because of her testimony. There's that servant girl. That's my God. I told you that there was a God in it. I told y'all about my God. I told you that he could heal you. I told you that he could cleanse you. I told you that he could set you free. How awesome is that when we pray over somebody and we plead for somebody and they finally give their heart to the Lord. The Bible says that the very angels in heaven rejoice. But you know what? I don't think they rejoice as much as we rejoice. Amen? We're happy they're with them. But it was because of her testimony that Naaman got his healing. Hallelujah for that. This precious, precious, precious young girl. As I begin to end, I want to focus on the seventh dip. You see, when Naaman went in that water, I think he still had a little bit of his pride going with him. Can you imagine on the seventh dip? You dip down that first time, and you dip in the water, and you come up. And nothing. You dip down a second time, you come up, nothing. And then Satan comes in. Look at you. Mighty man of valor. Second underneath the king of Syria. In the dirty Jordan. Dipping down in front of a country where you guys have conquered before. What are you doing? And he dips down a third time. You see, he might have had a little bit of pride with him, but can I tell you what? He was still dipping. Amen? Amen. And then on that seventh dip, that seventh dip when you come up 
and you're made complete. Can you imagine the sixth dip? You're like, oh man, I ain't got but one more. You know, uh, God told me to do it. I hope this is going to work. Oh Lord, please let it work. And you dip down that seventh time and you come up and you're completely clean. Can I tell you what? He didn't dip down to just his ankles. Amen. He didn't dip down just to his knees. Amen. He didn't dip down just to his waist. He had to dip all the way down because you see the leprosy can get you from the top of your head to the bottom of your toes. Amen. When I go to dip, when God's called me to dip down, amen, I just don't want to dip down to my waist because if I dip to my waist and I come up, I might still be leprosy. And then my shoulders, what if I had a little bit of leprosy on my face? You see what you got to do is you got to get under the flow. Amen. Under the flow. You've got to dip all the way down. You've got to surrender all to Christ or it's not going to work. If you don't give it all to him, he can't heal you. He can't cleanse you. If you just go halfway, he's not meeting you halfway. It's not this side or that. It's not the fence riding. Amen. It's heaven or hell. The Bible said it clear in his word. But when you dip down all the way, when you give it all, give it all to Jesus, that's when he's going to cleanse you. That's when he's going to work on you. That's when he's going to move in you. And then he come up that second time and he come out and he was cleansed. Amen. Hallelujah for that but here's what's going on this morning amen there's somebody in this house and it may be a couple people amen let me just speak under authority of God you know let me have some liberty in the spirit this morning and this might not be physical but in your life you're in a place where you trust in the Lord you love the Lord but things have come in your life. Things have come against you. And you've dipped once and you've seen nothing. You've dipped twice and you've seen nothing. You see, a lot of times people, and, and we make mistakes sometimes, but we think when we pray for somebody, they get healed automatically. Sometimes there's got to be a seventh dip. Sometimes God is working on them people to see if they truly trust him. Because if they heal him in an instant, then they're going to go right back to whatever it was they was doing. But God says, I need to deal with them seven times. Amen. Amen. You're at a place where you don't hear from God. You don't see God. You're struggling. You don't understand what you're going through. You say, God, why am I here? God, why am I not healed? But praise God, you're still dipping, amen? You haven't lost your faith. You're still trusting in Him. But I'm here to tell you this morning, God's still in control, but you haven't got to the seventh dip yet, amen? Amen? So you just keep on trusting in God. You keep on believing in God, and you keep dipping down in that ever-flowing fountain. Don't give up, because I'm here to tell you under the authority of Jesus Christ this morning, that the seventh dip is coming for you, amen? Amen, you're coming out of this thing, and you're coming out of this thing whole, amen? Amen, with all heads bowed, with reverence to the Lord. As we begin to end service, and like I said, God's a gentleman, and God don't want to embarrass you. But if that's you this morning, and you need prayer. I'd like to pray with you this morning. Because I know exactly where you're coming from. Because I've been in a place where I haven't heard from God. Or I haven't seen God or I haven't felt God. 
But I got to that seventh dip. And he showed himself powerful on my behalf. If that's you this morning and you need prayer, I'd like to pray for you.